This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. We are winding our way into fall. We're across our wide swath of real estate here in North America. Some places still feel like midsummer, and in others, it's turned to fall and even winter. In this episode, we connect with U.S. Bathlon's Claire Egan. At 32, she has become a steely vet of the team and is also a student of many diverse things in life. She also heads the International Bathlon Union's Athlete Committee and as such has a seat on the IBU's Executive Committee. When we spoke to Egan in early September, she was training in Anholz, Italy. Along with just checking in, we spoke at length about her experience navigating the pandemic and how she tried to embrace a sense of normalcy as she is awaiting the new season. Jason, can you hear me? I can. How about you? Wow, that's really great. <laughs> I know. I've had you never so many know weird... in Italy. You just never know. Oh, you're in Italy. Well, even here in Bend, I <laughs> have uh, since the pandemic. There's been like I, we have two internet lines. You know, like we have an apartment above our garage, so I usually feel like oh, I've got great coverage. But it's been with everybody working from home. It's been a little spotty. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, man. You sound well, this like. Is good. If I sit out yeah, on the porch. Yeah, this is good. Sure. Yeah, go sit out on the porch. And I'm going to start with like a super softball question here. Right. After reading your little, the interview you did with the IBU. Okay. What interview did I do with IBU? See, how soon you forget. I think it was like earlier in the summer. It was like a day in the life of Claire Egan or something like oh. that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Clearly it had a significant impact on you. <laughs> well, when you're talking about interviews with I don't know, like IBU, I guess I was thinking more interviews for IBU, and I was like, oh, God, did I do some controversial? No, 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 no controversial, but I was curious. <laughs> so it sounds like your partner, okay, I'm going to refer to him as a partner. Is that the proper term? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is a mixologist, maybe an amateur mixologist. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, I love using that word because my neighbor during the pandemic is sort of turned into one of those so oh he totally is he totally is he's like i've had to like cut him off not from drinking i've had to cut him off from buying more stuff oh, yeah. you know he's like now we need like this weird kind of bitters <laughs> and i'm like we have a tiny apartment and it cannot be overtaken by like a full bar but it's sort of like someone with their ski quiver is kind of what i'm gathering right skis oh i need yeah. like the nylon brass brush the horsehair nylon brass brush all that yeah, crap totally. okay so and like tools he has to get like tools okay these are all sounding like you've made a catch here so far <laughs> um <laughs> so um because those things those uh, you know in the long run those are like more functional things than maybe the ski quiver but that said <laughs> what's his go-to like what's the go-to where you're just like oh yeah maybe i'll have another one of those oh. well my i think my the go-to is definitely an aperol spritz which what what is that an aperol spritz it's um yeah. it's a very it's like it's a i don't even know if you could really consider it a cocktail because there's not really any hard liquor in it um but it's a very very common aperitivo here in italy and germany mostly like southern central europe um and okay. it's, uh i i make it three parts prosecco or any you know sparkling white uh so but usually prosecco um mm-hmm. and then one part aperol which is a liqueur it's bright red i mean i think probably technically it's like cherry or something but i don't know some kind of fruity liqueur a little bit bitter um, and a splash of soda water. So, okay, that sounds kind of elegant. It's like three one one, and uh, well, and the key thing I forgot. The key thing is an orange slice, and I, I usually squeeze some extra orange in there, and the orange really is the best part. So it's mostly it's like prosecco okay. with a little fruit flair, and and the, and the soda water, which if you're uh, you know, lean female endurance athlete is the important part. Okay, last question pertaining to that. Mm-hmm. Does he make anything with cucumber? 
Yes. You know, I can't say recently there have been any cucumber drinks, but we have made Pim's cups before, which have cucumber, I believe. My gosh, this is like highbrow mixology here. Yeah, yeah, it's highbrow. It's highbrow. Um, Pim's is a British liqueur, but but it's another sort of take. It's like it's like the British sangria, basically. But I believe it has cucumber. Okay, because my I only bring that up because that's one thing my neighbor is grooving on is the cucumber, and I'm 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 mm. partial to that. So anyhow, yeah, it's very fresh, yep. very fresh and cool yeah. and. Mm-hmm. I'll have to, I would be into that. So maybe when I get home, if it's still warm out, we can do some cucumber. He definitely, he's been doing a lot of like, kind of, what did he make me? I don't even know what it's called. It's like, it was something with, had all this like foamed egg white. I don't know. I don't know. Gosh, I am not doing him. Some sort of meringue type deal. Well, a lot of sour, so like a whiskey sour, a lot of sours have like, lime and uh, egg white actually and it makes this kind of like frothy foamy thing i don't know you'll ha- you can look into it if you're interested but he I'm, more, I'm one of these people that's like I- i'd like to receive it but i'm not that motivated to make it no me either me either so i don't even know what it was called i feel bad because you right. me this like really delicious drink but anyway i'm more i'm definitely this is not, it is not my hobby. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> definitely, I mean, I I do enjoy having a drink regularly, but that is kind of like it. So I can only enjoy his hobby so much. I can only partake yeah. in his hobby so much. I hear you. <laughs> I'm like one beer and that's it. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I probably couldn't even drive. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, so... This sort of begs the question that we're well into this pandemic. Um, and honestly, I like really, for me, I really needed to take a break from, I don't know, to like talking to athletes, just being completely transparent here, because I, you know, there's been so many more important things yeah. going on in the world. I'm just like, I can't talk to anyone about their training or this yeah, or that, yeah. because yeah. that's their job, just like I have a job, you know, um, and they should be doing that. Um, but that said, I'm kind of curious, like how, and I'm, I will get to the how, what, why, where, in terms of you being in Italy in a yeah. bit, but, um, yeah, like how have you coped and, uh, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the transition from the end of the season through now all the way, almost all the way through the summer. I mean, we're yeah. almost about to tick in the fall here. Yeah. Um, well, the end of the season, I ended on a very low note. Um, I've never. I actually cut my own season short. Um, although it ended up not changing anything, <laughs> so I I decided to fly home before we went. There there were two more World Cups on our calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was after our World Championship. My our World Championships did not go well. My whole season did not go well. <laughs> I'll start there. I mean, I had. I had like yeah, there were some one, high points. One great race that I'm like really, really, really proud of. Um, you know, it wasn't all bad. Certainly, it was not all bad. But I felt mostly bad most of the time. So even like the result that I had that I was really proud of, it was because I had perfect shooting. But I did not feel good skiing in that race, and it was it just is hard to go out there every day when you like know that you pretty much at some point know that the chance that you are going to feel good is like almost zero and so you're just it's you know you're gonna suffer and it's not fun and that i've only experienced that two seasons one was my first season on the grp and i that's kind of normal and i expected it because i was transitioning from running to skiing training and i had done like you know i like quadrupled my hours or something ridiculous like that Mm -hmm. um but this but then i felt like that again this year and so i don't you know, I must have overdone something somewhere, but it was much harder to identify what actually happened. I don't, it's not, it's not as easy to pinpoint this time around. Um, but in any case, all of that is to say I was having a really tough time and then I got sick 
and then I like kind of got better, and then I got sick again, and that the getting sick again was the like, okay, I gotta get out of here. I just can't. My body is like saying no. <laughs> right. Um. And I'm usually very healthy, so it was just clear that I needed to go home. But it was the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because I love doing the World Cup. I love competing. I do not take that any. I do not take those opportunities lightly. I mean, any chance I get to do an international race is, is so cool. And and even though I've done more than a hundred of them, I still, you know, I I still don't take them for granted. And so it was awful to. To just come to that point where I was like, I have to go home. My body is saying no, and it's time. Um, so I flew home on a Monday, and then my whole team got evac'd. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You guys had like this sort of yeah. 007 evac mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. there, right? Which I, so I was not there for that. Um, but so I ended up not missing anything that the rest of my teammates also didn't miss and then our last world cup was canceled anyway you know so you know in that sense i didn't really miss anything but all of that is to say that i was at a very low point and then i came i so i came home and i had been in isolation in a hotel room in the czech republic for the previous week while i was sick and that was really kind of I think one of the tipping points is like, I can't be alone in a hotel room right now. Right. And then I got home and I, I was pretty sure I didn't have COVID, but I like was coming from, you know, Northern Italy, Southern Germany, Czech Republic, came home, got a fever on Wednesday. And I was like, okay, I got to go just like make sure I don't have COVID. So I got tested and I didn't have it, but it took a week for them to process my results. And in that week they, evicted my boyfriend into a motel room and quarantined him in there and me in my house because they said we couldn't together and when, I when say you evict, say they I mean, I mean well i mean the new york state department of health yeah okay specifically the sheriff and a man in a hazmat suit showed up at my apartment with like a court order and oh my gosh okay moved him to a motel and you know he couldn't at that point he couldn't like his work was still open, but he could, you know, he was quarantined, so he couldn't work. He was literally in a motel for a week, and I was literally in my apartment for two weeks. Like, did not set foot outside. So, right, I went. <laughs> things went from like bad to worse. <laughs> oh, it was a really low point. Really low. Really low. Um, but the good thing about low points is that right, they're the lowest of the low. It hopefully. was bad. It was bad. And like it I had just up. been. A like I'd been apart from my boyfriend for so long and I came home and then to like be separated and then isolated again was just awful. I did oh, not, I'm I did sorry not, to hear that. I had the flu, but it would not COVID. I mean, it was awful. So anyway, that was the end of my season. And then I basically just did what I think most people did in April, which is I think like stay inside and get depressed. And then... I mean, I personally, I don't think I know anyone who didn't do that. So I think that's pretty standard. Although once my boyfriend got home, it was like better. At least we were both, we were together. And, um, you know, I didn't, I really wasn't sure about training or, I mean, first of all, because I had come from such a harsh end to my season. It wasn't like I was really eager to jump back into that, you know, it would have been a tough, tough year and. And I was tired and and then on top of that it was like, well, uh, are we what am I training for? And who am I training with and where am I training? Um and I didn't really I think because of all those questions, I just took my time. I didn't start training till June. Um I mean, I was like active doing sure. stuff, but, um, I was, I was working out maybe an hour a day, five days a week, just to be clear. When I say I wasn't working out, I was doing that, which is way more than I realized the average person does, but I was not following the training plan or. But that's probably like the average, I'm just assuming of your average faster skier reader. You know, I'm like, right, right. I'm talking like people with like me got kids work, blah, blah, blah. That's 
not exactly international caliber. <laughs> right, right. So, so rel- yeah, relative to your average person, I was, I was working out a lot, probably, you know, but, but I, if I was working out for five hours a week, that's still, you know, one, one quarter of what I usually do. So, right, right. Um, I was being active, but I wasn't, I wasn't invested in a, in a training regimen. And I guess it kind of took until the beginning of June when I started to see some signs of my body feeling rejuvenated and things in my state in New York um, starting to open up a little bit. Um, You know, I at that point we were hearing, okay, you might be able to go to the shooting range like in early or mid-June. And that, that was important. I was like, well, I can't train for Bathlon if I can't do shooting so that was definitely one of the things i was kind of waiting on um what was the i'm curious like so i armin am i pronouncing that properly yeah armin is your the women's coach and works specifically with you yep um and i think gosh is he Based in, He's in Italy, he lives. Okay, in, he lives in Antols. He's from Antols, which is okay. where I am right now. Um, okay. Well, well, what was his? I'm curious because I know Italy was like a full-on yeah. well, lockdown right. initially, and I'm curious, like, what that, what the conversations were like between the two of you in terms of like, you know, what dial it back. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it's crazy in Italy yeah. right now. It hadn't really blown up in the states. Yeah, I'm curious, like, if he was stressed that maybe you weren't, like, dialing it up? Come, no. You know, no. okay. <laughs> um, he, I mean, so I hadn't seen him since World Championships. So our World Championships were here in Antolts, and they ended on February 23rd or so. Like, I left here on the 24th, and things in Milan, like, totally blew up that week. I mean, we dodged such a bullet. Mm-hmm with the our world championships like our world championships were not a super spreader event i think like they don't know i, I think i heard that like one german tourist like had it or something but like it was not part of the pandemic and which is insane because we were in northern italy one week before you know northern italy became like the epicenter of this pandemic so he we raced after that in the Czech, like I went into Germany and then I went to the Czech Republic, but he was in Italy. So he didn't, he has, he didn't, hasn't left Italy since then because he like couldn't, um, at that point. Um, but I think all of us were really working with a lot of patients in, in April and May. And Armin is also not one to push he's very much a a go by feel kind of coach and kind of person. And so if it's obvious to me and probably also to him that I'm not really feeling ready to jump back into training, then he definitely would not, he would encourage me to not jump back into training. Um, He's definitely not like a, okay, it's May 1st, you know, right. Falling behind. (laughs) So, um, there was, I'm grateful that I had no pressure. Also, um, specifically, I'll mention Lowell. Like, Lowell was, I, I had a bunch of, comp- Lowell is our high performance director and my former teammate as well. And he, I remember talking to him in mid May, being like, I don't even know if I want to do this. I mean, that, that was, we had had a team meeting saying, okay, we're definitely not having a May camp in Bend, <laughs> you know? We're, right, right. Um, and the kind of at, or so maybe it was late April, I don't know. But around that phone call, I was like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know if I want to do this. And he was just like, do not worry about it. Like, <laughs> take your time and like, you know. And I, no one is pressuring anyone, in my, as far as I know, in U.S. Bethlehem right now. So that's, that's something I'm grateful for. And all, all along the way, we've been... Um, very much i mean even i would say like towards the end of last season very much encouraged multiple times like if anyone is like feels like they need to go home or want to go home or whatever just like go you're not you know required to be here um so yeah 
Well, how did you, I'm curious, um, I mean, and I'll, I'll let you explain, it seems like a, there's probably a, lots of good reasons. Gosh, I'll, we'll keep politics out. Lots of good reasons to head to Italy. For, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, can you describe a little bit about the visa process? You know, we hear it's like, oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. So how did you navigate that? Well, so, I mean, basically the background is for me, like one of the key um, elements of my decision to continue biathlon you know, in 2018 and again in 2019 and again this year, it's a, you know, it's an annual decision at this point, but like every year has been my coach. Um, for sure. You know, after the Olympics, I was like, we're getting this new coach and I think it might be a good fit. And then it definitely was. And I had a great season in 2019 and I said, I want to, you know, work again with Armin. And at the end of this year, it was kind of, you know, I'm, it's, it's always part of my decision. Like I, am improving and learning and having a good time because I have a good coach. And so this, I think one of the hardest things about this season has been that I haven't seen my coach because he's in Italy. Um, so that we've, you know, been as creative as we can with virtual coaching, but uh, it's, it's in, it's imperfect. And there's so much that you can do in person that, as we know, from all our different jobs that we're trying to do online, it's, it's just not the same. So I was really committed to trying to get over here if possible. Um, especially cause he hasn't been able to come to the U S. Um, and so Basically, um, I, I mean, the, the easy answer is I have IBU executive board meetings oh, in the end right. of September okay. and I have documentation from them saying, you know, I'm a member of an international organization and I have this meeting. And so I'm, uh, you know, basically that, that is, and the meeting is in Munich and Germany has, um, exceptions for, people specifically who are staff of international right, organizations. Right. So I fit that criteria, which uh, gives me a little bit of a special um, status, you know, that other athletes don't necessarily have. However, there are also exemptions for um, professional athletes mm-hmm. and they vary by country, but like I'm spending time in Germany, Italy and Austria and it's kind of hard to navigate the websites and the border control and whatever, but I am like pretty confident if the police came looking for me right now that I wouldn't go to jail. Like (laughs) I'm definitely, (laughs) I'm definitely fine in Austria and Italy. I feel like it's a little questionable, right? But I just had to, I, you know, I got tested right. I got tested right before I left. And then I also was tested at the airport when I arrived and that's kind of the deal. It was like PCR test. Do you know what they're? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the one I did, and this is not, you know, this is actually not even what's required. I just like did extra basically because I was trying to be safe. Um, I, I ordered myself a $150 volt test, um, which is like right. a home PCR test where you spit in a okay. tube and a doctor watches you do it over Zoom. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And then you like overnight mail it to the lab and you get your results within 48 hours. And the reason I did that is because I like Germany does have a thing where you can skip your quarantine if you have been tested negative within 48 okay. hours of your arrival. And I just didn't think there was any like the testing up in New York State has been so inconsistent, but mostly like mm-hmm. averaging a week for results that I just thought I'm going to pay for this. And then, then at least, you know, first of all, I'll feel like pretty confident that at least I got on the plane without COVID, you know? Um, and also maybe it will just like help reinforce my ability to enter the country or the EU. Um, but then they required me to, they're just testing all people arriving from risk areas, including the U.S. at the Munich airport right now. So they tested me with a throat swab okay. there. Um, 
so yeah it's i mean it depends like it depends on the country but like austria for sure has an exemption for pro athletes and the testing you know you basically get tested and then you don't have to quarantine um but it depends it depends on the country and i don't want to like <laughs> my this is this is not legal right right and, and what is it do you i'm assuming i'm just trying to think i know you know eu it, it's pretty seamless travel um you know traveling from country to country but do you have to flash your u.s passport at all there was no border control between like when i drove from germany to italy do you mean yeah there wasn't border control okay so. okay um so and uh what is that like day to day now um i mean i spoke to so, yeah go ahead well i just so i just got here on monday and I mean, I'm just like so happy to be working with my coach again. It's the first time I've done technique work all year. You know, it's the first time I've worked with on shooting. I mean, because there's this whole other element, right? From cross country skiing, you know how important technique is. Um, and shooting is, that's like all shooting is, is technique. So if you're a skier, you can probably understand how important it is and how, and then also how difficult it would be to just like, have your coach I don't know you like send a video and then it's like oh that was three hours ago I don't even remember what I was doing like ugh, it's just been so hard so to do to do live technique and like actually have my coach work with me on shooting stuff it's like we've already accomplished so much in three days you know I felt like the first, oh, sweet. The first day it was like okay I resolved this 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 <laughs> um but I'm just um, there's a Italian national team camp here right now, so um, I'm hoping to be able to do some stuff with them. Although they are being fairly restrictive due to due to COVID, not it's mostly like they were saying no to all the other like regional athletes. They didn't, oh. and so they felt like they kind of can't also like then say yes to me if they told the regional athletes like not to show up because of covid you know <laughs> you didn't pull because i know that you speak many i'm assuming you speak italian i do i mean i i'll probably do some stuff with them i mean my coach is italian like they have a good relationship right but, but um, and they didn't say you didn't pull in italian like do you know who i am in italian no i mean they have the they have like the top two women in the world so it's not really right like right. you know but um but um there's a finnish athlete who uh she is married to an austrian so she lives in austria and she's here training with me this week and so that's oh, great. Been great um mari Ader, really she's a really high level athlete and so we did some intensity today and we're doing like a little test race tomorrow with some of the italian juniors <laughs> so junior boys <laughs> we're racing oh cool but that's great that's really great because i the other challenge, obviously, in addition to not seeing my coach, I haven't seen most of my teammates. So I have not seen any of my A teammates. Um, so I've been training with Maddie Faniff and Chloe Levins, who are awesome mm -hmm. training partners. And we have a really good thing going in Lake Placid. So that's been great. Um, but like, we and we we made it over to Craftsbury for one. We were able to do a time trial in August, which was really cool. Just one day, we went to Craftsbury, um, and so I have like seen Susan, you know, but I haven't I haven't done a single training yeah. session with Susan, other than you know that little race that we did, um, and so that's tough. And so you're okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I like of all the counties and all the information I've gathered about, you know, being restrictive and protective. I mean, Crassberry seems to have it pretty yes. dialed <laughs> when it comes, yeah. but, but I know it's, I, I mean, I'm friends with a couple of folks up there and I know I've been like, Oh, it's kind of like you're in a police state without the, like with lowercase police. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, it's a commune, you know? Yeah. The, okay. I, yeah. We, I also brought, yeah, I was like, you kind of live on a commune too, but in a good way, right? And yeah. they've done a great job, I think, of like really emphasizing. Yeah, everybody's healthy. Right, exactly. Everybody's healthy and everybody's able to train and people are working. And and so, but you were able yeah. to go in there because you're coming from a county in New York that meets. Exactly. Okay, got it. So at that time, our county in New York was in their 
quarantine free travel zone. I mean, we're still very like everyone wears a mask there all the time unless they're like actively working out. Um, you know, so it was very, it was a very safe interaction, but yes, we were able to go because we were coming from a green County. Now there was a breakout at a nursing home in my County. So we are definitely Lake Placid is like on the, in the red zone. Oh, right really? Now, hopefully. Oh, that, bummer. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately not in Lake Placid, but in, in, another in, the, county, in the County. Sure. But hopefully that will, um, you know, be gone soon because it's obviously horrible in a nursing home setting. Um, Are you presumably at this point, I mean, you'll have the IBU meetings. It sounds like at the end of September. Um, Are you in Europe at this point for the duration? Um, No. Okay. What's that looking like? I'm coming home after those meetings. So I'm doing training here um, with Mari right now and some Italians and then, the Estonian national team will be here next week. So that's great because Johanna Tellerharm, who's been uh, training with the Craftsbury team for the last few summers and raced at MSU, she, she'll she be here. And so that'll be really, she's a great training partner as well. Then maybe go to Ramsau if the skiing's good, then go home. Um, and then, yeah, there it looks like we may be able to have some kind of camp Without our coaches, of course, because they're second year yeah. um, in uh, in Craftsbury in October. Of course, that is dependent on all of our all of us basically probably doing some quarantining and testing. And I don't really know the specifics, but we're hoping to be able to get together then. Um, and then I don't, you know, it's all kind of up in the air. But I'm I'm pretty sure that our coaches. Like, if it's at all possible, I'm sure they'll want us to come to Europe early right. so that they can, I mean, my, nobody will have seen their coach since last year, except for me. You know, I didn't see him for more than six months, but now we're working together again. Um, but the rest of the team will definitely have some catching up to do, uh, as, and me too, with our coaches. So we'll probably try to come early and do any quarantining that we have to do, get some extra time with our coaches, you know, before whatever racing we have, which I'm optimistic we will be having World Cups. Um, but the official announcement of our schedule is going to be made after this be- sure. meeting that I'm attending. So here's a question. I think, are you still 32? Have you had a birthday? Yes, I am. My birthday's in November. Okay, so 32. Yeah. And... Yep. Um, I know you had kind of a non-traditional, you know, segue into kind of elite level sport. You know, you competed at yeah. Wellesley. Is that right? Yep. 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 Wellesley. And then went to UNH. I think you had some more, yep. boy, I know a lot here about you. So. You're doing great. I'm really impressed, Jason. There's a lot. Yeah. But if you, um, I'm going to get this on record. I lost my phone recently and it was in the fridge. Okay, so, so there's, <laughs> That's awesome. there's that, which my children have been hanging over my head uh, for like the past month. But anyway, um, so you kind of, I'm kind of curious, you know, 32, how do you feel in terms of like what your race age may be? You know, if that makes sense, like coming into the sport or having time to sort of temper your output at a younger age. Yeah, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I'm just curious. I think so. I mean, well, I guess one way to answer your question is I don't think I would still be doing this if I had competed really intensely as a junior, like starting at age 15 yeah. or whatever. And, or maybe even like ski division one for four years in college. I don't know. Or gone to ski academy or those kinds of things. Like I, I'm not sure. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm kind of, I feel like some athletes do it from 15 to 25 and I'm more doing it from 20 so far, 22 yeah, to 33. Yeah, that but, makes sense. Um, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, but one thing that I, and I don't like physically, I think, you know, so far my best year was age 31, but I don't, I think it's possible that I could ski even faster at age 33. Um, you know, hopefully that's what I'm on track to do. Um, like I definitely feel stronger and, you know, I have more fitness than ever. Um, and I, one thing that is really interesting that I notice is like, 
just coming over to Europe, I feel just like being in Europe. I feel so, so validated in my career that it just like takes this weight off my shoulders. Whereas when I'm in the US, it, I just have so much, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's just a, like a personal, a personal problem where I, I, I feel this judgment, but it's, you know, it's not imagined. People ask me, so what's next? Or like, what, what are you, you know, that's just the constant question. Like what, what's next? When are you going to stop doing this? And, and you, you know, I think in the U S you would never, you would never ask like, I don't know, a star football player or basketball player, whatever, like, so you just had your best year ever (laughs) in the NBA. Like what's next for you? When are you going to like be done? Um, And I think that's because it's, it's like, Oh, people recognize that. Oh, that's a good job. Like you can make a salary and you, you know, it's a job. And I come over here and I like, I arrive at the airport and then I like go pick up the car from my sponsor that it has my freaking name on it and is decorated like an American flag. Yeah. And I like drive up and I just even that little thing. I'm like, really, this would never happen in the U S you know, but is this your like Italian? Is this the clothing sponsor? uh, The, the pattern was designed by our team clothing sponsor, but our team also, our team has a vehicle sponsor. It's a okay. um, r- car rental company called Auto Aider, E-D-E-R. And they also personally sponsor me, additionally to sponsoring the team. And, and they have, you know, like they gave me this rental car for the month and it literally has my name on it. <laughs> that is sweet. It's, my gosh. It is so sweet. And, and I have to say like the pattern, like you guys... I remember, I, how do I pronounce the clothing company Maloya. sponsor? Mallorca? Maloya. Maloya. Okay. I want to have like a hard J in that pronunciation, Maloya. but okay. Yeah. Um, but they sell that in town here, and I remember first seeing it. And do you know who Evil Knievel is? Am I dating myself? <laughs> no, I know who that is. He's like the motorcycle guy, right? Yeah, the motorcycle guy who, like, essentially, I feel like their original designs were sort of inspired okay. by Evil Knievel. Okay. It's just what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm seeing. Okay, but you guys have sort of completely established a new paradigm of cool. Yes, I'm just. I think. Yeah. Yep. We are. It's good stuff. Really psyched about it. Um, and yeah, so you know, I have the car, and then I come here, and like, you know, I'm and I'm training with Mari, who's my age, and I don't know, just to see another athlete who's who's my age, and no one, you know, she's out here doing this. And of course everyone's like, well, yeah, she should be out here doing this. And, and I feel that way too. People are like, Oh, of course Claire should be here doing this. Whereas I think just even being in the U S I just question, it's like every day a question like, Oh, am I wasting my time? What am I doing? Well, I'm no, I, just, I mean, I'm no oh, therapist, God. but I mean, it sounds to me like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I am a parent, which sort of makes me an amateur therapist. maybe. But yeah. that said, like it's yeah. maybe, I mean, gosh, if you're, if you're asked, if that question comes up even once a week in the U S it's like, maybe, maybe you and your, the mixologist need to head to Europe each fall. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I definitely would. Yeah, I definitely would. It's just, I, the only reason I bring it up is because I think it's maybe interesting for an American audience to, to think yeah. about. And I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the only athlete that feels that way. It's just, and I, I even remember um, I, the first sort of step of feeling that way was when I went from the Craftsbury Green Racing Project to the Bathlon National Team, where all the staff were foreign mm-hmm. at that time when I joined the team. And just the, I, I, suddenly I was like, oh, this is a profession. This is my job. Here's how I'm supposed to conduct myself. It just totally changed how I approached my training even. Um, so... I'm just, that's just, I don't know how that even, that topic came up, but it just it feels good to be here because I feel validated. I, you know, I'm happy to see my coach. I'm happy to have great training partners. And I just feel like, feel validated in what I'm doing. And that's the good feeling that I don't always have in the U.S. Yeah, that, no, I th- those are interesting points. Do you feel, and I know that, that in some capacities like USA, I want to say USA Cycling, whatever the, you know, NGB is, 
In, historically, yeah. they've kind of had junior houses over, say, in Belgium, where they bring athletes and they stay there for a prolonged period of time. I mean, I don't not up to yeah. speed really on on their development pipeline. Um, but now that you're kind of, I mean, uh, of of you know, you you're developing your sort of entry into NGB bureaucracy by being on the IBU board, which you've done for several years now. And I'm curious, like, you yeah. know, having the perception of, of, of an American athlete uh, being in race, you know, racing in Europe where biathlon is huge. Um, do, would you, if, if Lowell Bailey, who's the high performance director at uh, U.S. Biathlon or Max Cobb for that matter, were picking your brain, would you recommend like, hey, we need to maybe come up with a temp, you know, a house, a house somewhere in Europe where athletes are residents for six months at a time by athletes, young by athletes. I'm just curious what. Yeah. Well, I guess no, only because we are residents in Europe six months of the year in our competition. And like we already are. Yeah. Um, and True. so it's I think it's actually really important that we try to foster this environment at home that's the important thing it, so that people can have uh you know a normal biathlon career in in the u.s which may extend into your 30s um as it often does in europe and people can also be with their families as european athletes are and you know have lives outside of biathlon as european athletes do like that's the important thing is to try to try to do as best we can to to create those possibilities in the u.s um because i don't think i do not think moving to europe is the is the answer for for most people gotcha. um we certainly it's it's so important to give athletes every chance we can to ha let them compete in europe you know if they're already if they're if they're at that level whether it's the junior cup or the ibu cup or the world cup um so that because I think it's very motivating, and I'm sure that's true of cross country as well. Though I never uh, raced internationally cross country in Europe, um, but but I, I think it's it is different because we have really high level cross country races in the U.S. and we with hundreds of people, you know, and we just don't have that in biathlon. So it's it's just like it's motivating to go to a super tour, you know, when you're a 16 year old and to see all you know, hundreds of people and how fast they are. And, oh, those are people that race in the World Cup. Like, we don't have those opportunities in biathlon in the U.S. So it is important to if, to get that kind of experience. And it, But you have to come to Europe to get it at this point. Right. Okay. Um, That's kind of a tangent. And <laughs> it's all good, though. Well, I think we got on that tangent talking about the car. I, I'm, I'm finding it hard. Maybe send me a photo if you could. Yeah, I would I'd love to see like, and it's like clearly a U.S. car, right? It's got <laughs> yeah, you can't mistake it. Okay, well, how's that going over? It's literally wrapped in a flag. Well, to be honest, when I got it, I was like, damn it, because I was kind of trying to fly under the radar on like, right. you know? <laughs> um, Here comes an American. Like, yeah. So I, I, to be honest, I like took kind of like a back road into Italy because I was like, <laughs> I'm not driving this thing <laughs> over the Brenner Pass, like the main highway. Um, yeah, it's oh, that's couldn't funny. be more flashy. Couldn't be more flashy. But well, good for you guys uh, yeah, for they, having the, they, uh, that, that kind of support. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add? How's the IBU stuff going? Ooh, it's a lot of work right now. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work for me, but it's like a thousand times more work for our staff who are actually trying to plan a season. Um, and so I, I've just been, I mean, I know we have a extremely competent, hardworking and dedicated staff, but this has really like shown them at, at another level. Um, I mean, all of the sort of, just the level of preparation they've had to do is really, really crazy. So, uh, you know, it's not just like, oh, do the rules allow us to be in this country? It's like, okay, let's get in touch with all of our organizing committees and see, like, do you still want to host an event if there's no spectators? Like, how much money will you lose? Can you install, you know, 
uh, can you separate spectators from athletes? Can you separate athletes from these people? Can all of your hotels commit to hosting either athletes or spectators, but not both? Like what, you know, just what, what are the possible, what countries can come to your country right now? Once we leave your country, where can we not go or where can we go? How many people are allowed to be like, it's just, uh, it's, it's wild. And then, you know, if you can't host this event, who can, or who's available, who's not available. Um, so the, the layers of investigation and planning that have had to go in from the organizing committees and the IBU to try to put something on the calendar is, uh, and, that, and that's not, that's like not even including like what kind of testing would we have to do right, this viable? Right. I mean, and then on top of that we are banning fluoro this year so yeah like on top of that we have you know the fifth ibu joint project to develop a floor detection device um mm -hmm. and testing that and getting the prototype ready i mean it's like an engineering project on the side and a and a huge you know, rule changes and rule additions and you know, just a question mark. How's this going to work? How's this going to play out? Um, so if, if that, like, as if that weren't enough, now we have this pandemic. And then that's on top of, like, the normal stuff that they do. I just can't, I can't believe everything they're doing. Um, but I'm optimistic we'll be able to, to, to do something, or, you know, to try to do something. But we will discuss and make a final announcement in the end of the month and just so people if people are unfamiliar with your role you're the ibu board athlete rep is that correct yeah so i'm i'm the chair of our athletes committee okay. and in that role i also serve on the ibu executive board okay any new languages that you're picking up this year uh i'm working on russian right now really that's i a mean i'm sort of okay. been working on russian for a, a while but not i like i took a korean class earlier this mm -hmm. summer which was cool um but now my cousin just graduated from college um with a double major in one of her degrees is in russian and i was like okay you are gonna she's been tutoring at her college so oh. she's gonna be my new russian tutor but how's your chinese i do not speak chinese nor am i attempting to learn it it's too much for me <laughs> okay and your korean I, I feel like your korean was pretty dialed in uh <laughs> I wouldn't, no i mean it, relatively i yeah like i can't you know it's such a hard language but i and I, I studied it for like a year before the olympics and then i took this six-week class this spring and i can read and write and do like really basic stuff really basic conversation slowly um but it is amazing i feel like if i had put in i mean it's twice i'm learning twice at least two if not three times slow more slowly than i would learn the european language um, it's like yeah. if i studied yeah. if i studied you know, Portuguese for this long, I would be like chatting a lot, you know, but in Korean, it's still very unnatural. But okay. it's, I, yeah, it's, it's a cool, uh, just something fun to try to, it's like a puzzle. It's like doing Sudoku. <laughs> oh, words. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, good luck with everything. Thanks for your time. I'm glad that you're, one is obviously glad that you're healthy and yeah that uh also glad that you ended up not having covid earlier yeah. in the spring i mean i've just that been was reading it's a close call but it was fine yeah it's just i mean do you keep abreast i guess my last question is do you keep abreast of sort of the the research that comes out that you know it's 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 you know in medical journals or pre-published i think is how, what they refer to it as pre-published releases because there's so much information coming out real time now in in terms of athletes and what sort of effects they're feeling um who have tested positive i don't know if you're a little bit a little bit you okay. know the most recent thing i read was about like heart muscle yeah. inflammation right. um but i'm you know i'm doing all of the sort of normal things like that athletes i have to say we're already doing before the pandemic like i've been wearing a mask on planes for years 
I'm obsessed with washing my hands. I've used sanitizer. I have had sanitizer in my car, in my purse, in my pocket for years. Like, and you know, but I'm not. You know, I flew to Italy. You know, some people probably right. wouldn't have done that. Um, and so I'm not. It's not affecting my daily anxiety level or behavior beyond just doing the simple things that I know I can do, but obviously I hope I don't get it, you know, but it would be silly to, you know, cloister myself inside and not do anything because I didn't want to get sick and have it ruin my athletic career if there's if my athletic career is kind of like already ruined because I haven't been out doing the things I need to do to be a good athlete. So I'm here because this is what I need, you know, to give myself the training that I need. Um, so I don't know. I think everyone's approaching it in their own way, and this is what's working for me. Great. Well, appreciate your time, and I'm glad you're well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you you too. I mean, it sounds like you know, besides losing your phone in the fridge, things are okay for you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, like spring was pretty rough because I have a 17 year old, fresh, oh. and he just turned 17, and a 12 year old who's just about to turn 13. That's and the, what a time! Uh, to be yeah, I mean, what's that? I said, what a time to be childless. Oh, for sure. My gosh. Oh, I, I, I it's interesting because I have a couple of friends in town who are like Uber athletes, no kids. And I just am like trying not yeah. to make my eye rolls yeah. super obvious. Right. <laughs> I'm like, mm hmm, must be hard. But then again, it's like we're I'm incredibly privileged. Right. I'm a white male in the U.S. And now more than ever, I feel like <laughs> yeah, I'm that. cognizant of um oh totally right all of the privilege right so totally. like i mean me yeah being like oh yeah i'm gonna order this 150 dollars test test myself so i can like get on right. a plane and then go to europe right. which like isn't even allowed but i can secure the documents i mean whew. Mm -hmm. i've never felt like so, yeah so you know you know i've never it, my my sort of elite status has never been so plain to me as probably this exact trip just being like oh yeah let me reach out to this international organization that can like write me the documents you know sure i mean the sa same here and i'm not even doing any of that but it's yeah. the same right you're just you have to remind yourself every day that there's right as hard as like on school learning was and will be this my kids still have full on yeah. learning yeah. here um it's like okay we still have a great house um to complete rescue mutts that one staring at me right now that are kind of suspect but otherwise we're doing great so. yeah oh yeah I mean, yep. it's hard but yep. i have to do the same thing okay thanks again claire have a great day or evening all right bye you're welcome have a good night <laughs> bye thanks for listening